0: assures us in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Welcome to Faith to Faith. Here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Braden Enterman.
1: Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining us again on the program today. We are delighted to have your company. And just as we start our study, we just invite you to bow your heads with us in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we deem it a privilege to come into your presence yet again to learn from you. And we just pray, Father, for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit on us and the listener out there so we can understand spiritual things which you discern to us spiritually. May you bless us as we study further regarding this beautiful topic of faith and what it means to believe and how we can actually strengthen our prayer life by knowing how to pray according to your will. May you bless our study today is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Brandon, I've been enjoying this journey we've been taking through the Bible, understanding what faith is. I mean, I think it's made it very simple, and it's taken that concept of faith, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and it's taken it out of the realm of the mysterious and made it a lot more practical Because isn't that so interesting
2: Etienne the, the probably three most misunderstood words God, love and faith Yes All of those words are so misunderstood in our in our world today mm. And by God's grace If we can make them clearer That's just going to be a whole lot better for our Christian experience
1: Yeah Well that's true But Faith uh, is something that's misunderstood quite often, and this is what the program is all about. But even like you mentioned, love—you know—Hollywood has taken love to a, a, another level, and they've indoctrinated people. They've adulterated the word love, and I don't actually mean it, a pun intended, but I, I guess it's appropriate to use that, because the the love that's portrayed on television, and in the movies, is very different to the love we see in the Bible. The love in the Bible is a love that never fails. And how often do people fall in love, they get married, and then, you know, almost half the the marriages end in divorce. So we know that that's not really the biblical love. God's love is enduring, and it is one that actually is self-sacrificing. And we see that evidence in the life of Christ. God demonstrated his love, his agape, self-sacrificing love to us, in that while we're yet ungodly and sinners, that Christ died for us. So we want to unpack um, faith a little bit further today, and we want to look at the concept of praying according to faith. Because if we can know the will of God, surely that should give us confidence when we do talk to God and we ask him. Because the Bible is very clear. There's a text there in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. I just want to page that and maybe we can start our study. Well, let's start our study there. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. Which says, now, I don't know if you're there yet, but if you I'm are, here, you, yep. you can read it if you like.
2: So First John 5.14, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us.
1: Mm, so we can have confidence in prayer, and this is the confidence we can have in God, that if we ask anything. Now what's excluded Nothing Nothing. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us So what is the emphasis there? If you want to have that confidence in God, you need to know God's will God's will Because if you know God's will, you can ask things according to his will and he will hear it And then in verse 15 it says And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him so that's the conference we can have on him, and this is what we want to pack a little bit today.
2: So doesn't it make it so important for us then um, to know what God's will is,
1: and Absolutely. to know
2: where to find God's will? Yes, um, and I think it's it's all about having being on the same page with God. Mm. You know, I've heard I've heard um, you know people sometimes mentioning things that they. Um, they're like, would God answer if I asked asked Him for this or for that? Um, sometimes we we don't really know how to approach God. Would He would He answer if I asked Him for a brand new Ferrari? <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> yes. so we we don't understand how to relate to God. Mm. It's so important that we know where to find God's will. Number one, and, and number two, to to discern it and to find it, and then that will impact our prayer life in a big mm-hmm. way.
1: Now, would you suggest that that would be a fruitful search if people started searching? For God's will Would he disappoint them if they started searching his will
2: God would never disappoint anyone who is searching to know
1: his will You know, and that reminds me of the words of Jesus um, People were confronting him regarding some of the things that he was saying And he was saying, well, if you knew God's will You'd know whether I'm speaking of my own authority Or whether this is actually coming from God And we find that statement in the Gospel of John John chapter 7 and verse 17 And uh, let's start in verse 16 just to give us context. John chapter 7 and verse 16. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine, now the word doctrine, quite often people think bad things about the word doctrine.
2: Another misunderstood.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Another misunderstood word. But the word doctrine just simply means teaching, doesn't it? So there is a doctrine regarding love in the Bible. It's a teaching regarding love, a beautiful thing. So the word doctrine, well, you shouldn't get hung up on that. So if my doctrine is not mine, Jesus said, but his who sent me. So he's saying, I'm not teaching my own my own teachings. I'm here. not
2: coming up with this stuff. Yeah, I'm not <laughs>
1: coming up with this. It is from God. I received it from God. And then he makes this beautiful statement in verse 17. So John chapter 7, verse 17. So just remember, John seven, one, seven. John <laughs> chapter seven, verse seventeen. If anyone wills to do his will, that is God's will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. So there's a promise. If you want to anybody wills, anyone desires to know God's will. God will not disappoint him. He will know concerning the teaching. And then he also says further, not only will you know God's doctrine and God's will, it says, but you'll also know whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. The word authority is added there. But you can can actually then decipher whether someone is speaking for God or whether it's a false teacher. Hmm. So it's important for us to know god 's will, but the, the desire to know god 's will is important as well, and then God says he will not disappoint because if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the teaching so god 's promised that, and Jesus has made that promise to us so as far as the story is concerned, they can actually demonstrate or illustrate knowing god 's will and then how we can use that knowledge to pray and ask God if we ask anything according to his will, He hears us we 've just been told that in first John chapter five, That's verse thirteen. Right. Is there a story in the Bible that can help us understand that and unpack that in a practical sense?
2: So we're going to be heading to 2 Samuel. But before we go there, I'd like to read a verse in John 17, 17. Um, Jesus just reminds us where truth comes from.
1: Um, okay. Yes, that's another one. So we just said John 7, 17. Now we're going to John seventeen seventeen. 17. 17. 17. Okay. <laughs> Jesus'
2: words again. Sanctify them. He's talking about his disciples. Sanctify them by your truth, your word. Is truth, mm. and so Jesus points points it out very clearly the importance of the Bible, the importance yes. of God's words, the importance of Scripture, because it contains the truth. It mm. is truth, That's and right. um, also as we've shared many times, Romans ten seventeen it says, "Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." Yes. So this is going to set the stage for our story. We're going to head over now to Second Samuel chapter seven. Uh, we're going to spend um, the large um, portion of our time here in, in this chapter Where we find an interesting story Where David wants to build God a house And God wants to build David a house
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting I, I find this story so fascinating you know, it, Somehow David finds it in his heart He looks at his palace where he's living It's made of this magnificent wood called cedar wood And it's got gold and everything in it And then he remembers, hang on I'm living in this palatial beautiful home and God is still in the tent. As a matter of fact, the tent is old now. It's a bit dilapidated. This was built like 400 years earlier when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. Beautiful edifice when it was, and it was very mobile and it had to be because they were nomadic for a few years before they entered the promised land. But this is now dilapidated. And he's thinking, God is in that In that tent And I'm in this (laughs) And I'm in this beautiful edifice Something's wrong here So he he gets this desire Welling up within him To say look I've got to do something special For the Lord His home should be better than mine Mm. I'll start
2: reading in verse 1 It says Now it came to pass When the king was dwelling In his house And the Lord had given him rest From all his enemies all, all, All around That the king said to Nathan the prophet See now I dwell in a house of cedar But the ark of God dwells "'inside tent curtains. Mm. "'Then Nathan said to the Lord, "'Go, do all that is in your heart, "'for the Lord is with you. "'But it happened that night "'that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, "'Go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, "'Would you build a house for me to dwell in? "'For I have not dwelt in a house "'since the time that I brought "'the children of Israel up from Egypt, "'even to this day, "'but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle.' Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel Have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel um, Whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel Saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar?
1: Mm. Now this is fascinating The first thing that, that stands out for me is that David shares with Nathan the prophet what is on his heart Nathan thinks it's a good idea And then he says, go do all that is in your heart For the Lord is with you but then God says, no, I won't do that. Now, we, we shouldn't probably divert too much. But there's another text. that's a parallel part of the story we're reading elsewhere where God tells David he's got too much blood on his hands because he's been a man of war. And he won't be able to build this house to God. But his son will. And the son turns out to be Solomon. Mm-hmm. But then God actually, when the word is spoken by a prophet, the prophet actually gets it wrong. In his own personal assessment, it made perfect sense. It seemed to be a thing that will honor God. But then God says, no, no, sorry. He changes the the mind of the prophet, tells him, no, go back and tell David. He will not build build him a house. But God offers him something different. So interesting. Would you be able to read verse 8? Verse 8 says, Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold to following the sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel. And I have been with you Wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. So here we'd seen in verse 1 already of chapter 7 that God had given him rest from his enemies. So God now says, this is what I've done. I've taken you. You were a shepherd boy. I've made you a ruler over my people, and I've cut off your enemies before you. I've made your name great. Matter of fact, it is as great as the greatest men who are on the earth. And then it says, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and I will plant them, and they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Now, what's interesting here is God says, I will do this. I will do this. Mm, interesting. And, of course, we know as we've studied through this uh, this program that the simple thing, that is called righteousness, is to believe God and expect God to do exactly what He said He would do. So here, uh, here David is hearing all these things that God will do, and then we go on in verse eleven. It says, "Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that He will make you a house."
2: This is so. This is so interesting. It isn't is, it? isn't
1: it? So here. David is saying, I'm going to build a house Because the ark is in this tent Which is now dilapidated And then God says, hang on a minute I know you want to build this house I've not asked for one Since the time I you know, took the children of Israel out of Egypt And I was in this tent I've not asked for any house But let me do something special for you I've done all these things for you already From taking you from a shepherd boy To making you a king To giving you a great name on the earth To giving you rest from all your enemies I'm going to do something better You think you're going to build me a house?
2: I'll make you a house. I'm going <laughs> to make you a house. This is so interesting because I think God makes very clear that He, when, when he came and visited the children of Israel mm. in Egypt to save them, it wasn't because God needed someone to do something for him. Yeah. He's the God of the universe. Like do we, He doesn't need something from us. He says, you know, all the way through, I've been there to do things for you. I've come to help you. I've come to save you. I've come to deliver you. I've come to protect you. Yes. And he says... I'll build you a house. God make, makes this amazing promise that He's going to do something for David. You know, David first is like, "I'll do something for you." Mm. God's like, "No, no, no, no. That's that's okay. I've got heaven. <laughs> I'm the creator of the universe. <laughs> that's I, right. It's neither here nor there. Where I'm, like, what if I have a tent or whatever down here? That's that's okay. Yeah, I've got I've got big plans for you, David. And David has to has a has a whole shift. God actually wants to make him a house.
1: (laughs) That is just incredible. So he he wants to to bless the Lord, you know, and he wants to promote the cause of God and he wants to show his respect and honor towards God. And God comes, he's already honored David. But because he's put that in his heart, because David's got that in his heart, he says, look, I will honor you even further. I will make you a house. Now, what does it mean when God says he wants to make him a house?
2: Well, if we continue on in verse 12, it says, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers... I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom.
1: Okay, so it's through David's seed, so his descendant, that he will establish his kingdom. So that's part of the, Mm -hmm. I will make you a house, is establishing of his kingdom. Okay,
2: It says, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So this combination of like this concept of building a house and Mm. building a kingdom. He goes on to say, verse 14, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you, your throne shall be established forever, according to all these words and according to all this vision. So Nathan spoke to David.
1: Right. Okay, so when God says, I will build you, I will make you a house and included not only his house, but his kingdom and also his throne. Mm. So this will be an everlasting house. So his house would, would would stay forever. And the way he was going to do it is through his descendants. But ultimately we know that for David to uh, possess an everlasting possession, and an everlasting house, he'll have to have, be raised from the dead. That's interesting. So actually the promise of the resurrection is included in this whole process, the same as it was with Abraham in a previous program that we did because Abraham was told that not only his descendants, but he also would inherit the land as an everlasting possession. Now the the covenant that was made with Abraham now is renewed here with David. Abraham's covenant was one for all the common people. But here we see this as a kingly covenant that is made now. And ultimately Christ is the fulfillment of both covenants. Well, they're the same covenant. They're just renewed with with another person. Mm, And Christ here will sit on that throne. He will sit on the throne of his father David because he is a descendant of David. Romans chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. So here we see that ultimately within this promise is the promise of the Messiah who would sit on David's throne and therefore establish this everlasting covenant and this everlasting kingdom, which is what you see in all the prophecies. Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, who is also a king, has a dream. And he dreams about all the successive kingdoms after Babylon, Medo-Persia, then Greece, then Rome, then the dividing of Rome, and during that division of the Roman Empire in the West— God will set up an everlasting kingdom which will not be destroyed, and that kingdom is actually the one that He promises here in Samuel, Second Samuel, chapter seven. That everlasting kingdom comes through Christ.
2: and that's so interesting? David is super sincere. He's got a great passion. He wants to help God out and make Him a house. Mm. You know, it's interesting. He was the reason why he would have done that is because the, the tent obviously is getting quite old and yes. you know getting quite dilapidated. You know, there's nothing that he could make that would last forever. Mm. Every building that human beings make comes to an end. That's right. But here we have God saying, I'm going to make you something that will last forever. It's enduring. It's enduring.
1: Yeah, like the ages, Yeah.
2: And so now we're going to, with eight, verse 18, we have a transition. We have David's response mm. to God's promise. To God's promises. That's right. So this is a huge promise. I'm going to set up your kingdom forever. Um, I'm going to be like a father to your to your son.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I'm going to do all these different things. I'm going to build you a house that's going to last forever. And now David responds. In the, he responds with a response of faith. The yes. only the only appropriate response when God says He's going to do something, we say. Okay
1: Yeah <laughs> we, but, we let God do it Well God has spoken to him now through his prophet The prophet speaks for God God in vision has told Nathan And we read in verse 17 Just as we get into verse 18 The bridge there It says according to all these words And according to all this vision So Nathan spoke to David So now God is being spoken to by David After he hears what Nathan had to say mm-hmm. What God has said through the prophet Nathan And it says Then King David went in And sat before the Lord And he said Who am I O Lord God what is my house that you have brought me this far? Wow. So there's, there's, he's showing humility there. He, he's just blown away. God has already blessed him and prospered him. He's now no longer having to fight those battles and those wars. And now that you know he's free, he wants to do something special for God, but he's just call, re, recalling all that God has done for him.
2: And his his house, the, the house of his fathers and stuff like that, they weren't very honorable, as in like they didn't have much honor in society, big fame yeah. and, and fortune or whatever. Jesse was a humble Humble person, and um, what was it great great grandparents? Was uh, Boaz and, Boaz and, is and right. Ruth? A, Ruth. A, she was a she was a Gentile. Mm. Like this wasn't the most famous stock that he's come from. That's right. And God takes this this humble shepherd from the sheepfold mm. and makes his name, makes his house. Great, and makes him a king And makes this amazing promise for the future as well
1: Now we're talking about obviously eternal life And eternal interest But Mm. if you go to Israel now They still have the tomb of David there He's still revered, they've got his face And they've got statues and monuments of him All through Israel So I mean that enduring aspect of it Is even in a temporal sense still there in Israel So interesting isn't it Yeah, he's still remembered and revered in, in many respects So where are we up to here? Well we're in verse 19 I think
2: this is, and and yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord, O Lord God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Mm. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Mm. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you. According to all that we have heard um, with our ears. Yes. And, and who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth whom God has redeemed for himself, as a people to make himself a name, and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land, before your people whom you redeemed, from, redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations, and their gods. Mm. For you have made your people Israel, your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God.
1: Incredible. Now, in other parts of the scripture, and we don't have time to go there today, God says, through Moses, God has not called you because you were more righteous than the other people. He hasn't called you because you were a greater nation, but because of his mercy and because of his covenant with Abraham, because of the promises he made to Abraham and through his seed, God has done these things for you. So here it's not because of our own righteousness. It's because of God's goodness, his love and his grace. And here David is actually talking to God and telling God, I know these things about your character. You're such an awesome God. There's no one like you. There's no other God that exists. And you've done these beautiful things for, for Israel, redeem, redeeming them out of Egypt. And you'd call them so you can make a name for yourself. Now, it's not that God wants to have fame and fortune. You know, it's not that kind of name. What he means by name is he wants Israel to represent his character to the world, That's and right. this is the character benevolence that David has just been talking about. Mm-hmm. But of course, we know that Israel fail more often than than they succeed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a shameful tale! <laughs> what, true, but what I like now is now we're getting into verse twenty five. So this is actually a prayer mm-hmm. that David is uttering. He's speaking to God, and that we can speak to God. We can have access to God just like David did. We can also go before God in prayer and by faith, and we can pray to him. And verse 25 says now, so we're in Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 25. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken. See, here we're referring back to the word that came through Nathan the prophet to David. The word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. That is so interesting It is Now if God has said he's going to do it Why doesn't just David leave leave God to do it Why does he have to pray and say Lord as you have said Please do what you've said It's
2: interesting uh, If we just stop here for a second mm. um, Why doesn't everything that God wants Why, doesn't, why, why isn't God's will always accomplished yeah. He could do it Yes You know an all powerful God mm. what, what restrains an all powerful God From accomplishing what he wants Well there's only one thing That I know of in the Bible And that is free will That's exactly right Yeah And so God has God expresses his will God expresses his desire In the form of promises He says I will do this Yes And what God is banking on Is human beings Being overwhelmed with his kindness And his goodness And responding with a faith response Mm. Basically here we have God Who has this grand vision for the future Of saving humanity Bringing the Messiah to the throne of Israel And saving the entire world And David goes You know what do that. Yes. God, can you do that? <laughs> so basically he's, he, he's, he knows God's desire. He knows God's will. And he says, God, can you please do that? Mm. And here now we have a human being who's made many mistakes and he's just calling out to God and saying, God, I want, I want what you want. My will is your will. Yes. And in that moment, you've just got a, a human being calling out saying, I want God's will to be done. Which is so significant because human beings by nature don't want, want don't want God's will to be done.
1: Mm, that's right.
2: But here we have faith shown so clearly. God makes a promise and David says, let's do that. God, <laughs> God let, let's let's stick with that plan. That's yeah, a good plan. Let
1: your will be done. Let he, your will be and done. And he prays according to the will of God mm. because God has revealed his will to him already. And then verse 26, he talks, let your name be magnified forever. So so this prayer of David is not to magnify himself, but is for God's name to be magnified. And he says, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel, and let the house of your servant David be established before you. Verse 27, For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed, so this is through, revealed through the prophet Nathan, Revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, and so everything that preceded this, He's now saying, therefore, this is now summarizing that, and this is the conclusion. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. Hmm. David would not have prayed this prayer if the word of God hadn't come to him through Nathan the prophet, saying, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to build you a house.
2: David's faith, his confidence, his passion, it it was a response to a promise that God had made. If God Mm. had not made that promise, he would not have prayed that prayer. That's
1: right. It is incredible. And in verse 28, it goes on to say as well, And now, O Lord God, you are God. Your words are true. So here it refers to the word of God again. And you have promised, so he believes the promises, this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it. Hmm. So if God has spoken it, if we see it in the word of God, We can then know the will of God and we can pray according to his will. And what was the promise? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. And not only hears us, we can have a confidence that whatever we've asked according to his will, he will give us.
2: David could pray so confidently for the fulfillment of this because God had actually said, I'm going to do this for you. Mm. How important then for us to spend more and more time in God's word to know what he says because as we see God's word, as we hear God's word, faith awakens in our heart And we are willing to trust him and, and pray accordingly
1: Absolutely, and also that promise there in John chapter seven seventeen: If anybody wills to do or to know God's will He shall know concerning the doctrine And then who's speaking as well Is it under the authority of God or is it the authority of man? And here David has clearly heard the will of God It's God's plan, it's God's authority And he can pray this prayer of faith based on the word of God only because mm. we, st- we mentioned before in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So where there is no word of God, there can be no faith. That's right. Mm. So dear listener, we pray that God has blessed you in our study today. This fascinating story of David found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where David wants to build God a house. And God says, no, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to establish your kingdom. I'm going to establish your throne forever. And this obviously was a promise of the Messiah to come. And then when David hears the word of God, he takes the word of God as God's will for him and his kingdom. And he prays a prayer according to God's will, having full confidence that what God has promised and what God has said, he will fulfill to him. We look forward to catching with you next time. Until then, God bless you.
0: for Joining us on Faith to Faith. If you would like more information about today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 024973 3456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We love to hear from you.